let's get started. Welcome to another episode of the Slim Nation Podcast. You know, growing up as a young boy, I grew up with the experience of a privileged black life. My father earned a pretty good life for us, my mother and I, in his second career as a lawyer. You see, in the 50s and 60s, your professional title in the legal field was lawyer and your last name, at least in the black communities as far as I knew. Lawyer Overton was what he was called by everybody, which was changed later in his life to Judge Overton. Remember I told you it was my father's second career. He attended college at Virginia Union University to receive a degree in education preparing for a teaching profession. Teaching is what he did, working his way up to the position of principal at the historic Oakwood Elementary School. A very noble profession, but paid only $35 a month, much less than his white administrative administrator comp counterparts as well as the teachers under his supervision. My father didn't think it was fair when they were performing equal services to students. So after speaking up several times against unequal wages, he was fired from his position for being what they call, during that time, a uppity Negro, the polite version of the noun of Negro which they really wanted to use, and banned from teaching in the classroom, which he loved. Not being discouraged, but encouraged by that act, he joined the Navy serving as Shore Patrol's chief, which during those times, the military was looking for young, black, educated men to serve in the shore patrol to walk the beats of some of the roughest streets in some of the neighboring towns. He walked the streets in Norfolk, Virginia on Church Street, which had a reputation of being real active and (laughs) made patrols necessary. But While serving, he had his eyes on that GI Bill, which offered benefits if you wanted to later go to college. With an honorable discharge in hand, he applied and was accepted at Howard University School of Law, later graduating from law school, then successfully passing the Virginia State Law Boards that qualified him to be licensed to practice law in Virginia. When he took over the law offices of a retiring lawyer, which gave him a leg up, especially starting his law career at a later age than most graduating from law school at that time. He had married my mother, Fannie Mae James, while she was a while he was a principal, and she helped support him while he was attending law school by working at a black owned and operated business unique for
for those days and times named Brown's Cleaners after the owner, Charles Brown, whose wife, Mamie Brown, was a childhood friend of my mother's. She once told me that she bought a brand new refrigerator, which was desperately needed with her own money and surprised my father one weekend when he was home for a visit. When he got his practice started, she never worked again. Now, back to my privileged beginnings. My parents adopted me, I'm told, at about 18 months. And I had a memory of being in the back seat of a car, probably put there by social services, and looking at who were my blood family crying while I was crying, watching until they, the sight of them faded away. My recollection of being removed from my original family only came almost nightly in the form of what I thought were reoccurring dreams. And up until I was 21 years old, found out that they were actually members, memories of my short past life with them. But that's an additional to this addition to this story I will save for another time. I often joke now that when I saw I was to have my own room and a TV, I purposely forgot everything about my past life. But in reality, because of my young age, I had no conscious memory of anything after seeing what my brothers and my family members fade away. Little did I know, my current dreams was my connection to that time surfacing much later. But as I said, another story, another time. James and James Albert and Fannie Mae James Overton were my parents, and we were a small but solid family. I recall being so excited when my father came home from work every day. I would run to him like a happy dog would run to his owner when he thought he was never coming back. I would jump into his arms, jump into the huge arms of his six-foot-four frame, and every time there was a strong sense of love and security. Once I jumped there so hard, I knocked his glasses off, and they hit the cement of the porch floor, breaking the glass into many pieces. Boy, I knew I was in big trouble because they were his second eyes, which he needed for his daily work. But he just smiled, pulled out another pair in his pocket, and we continued to appreciate our union. What a gentle giant. Every birthday and Christmas, I always received more gifts and toys just from my parents than any family of five or more children would ever dream about. But at the time, I didn't know the difference. To me, it was the norm, the way the rest of the neighborhood children's Christmas day. I later found, found out how privileged I was when I went outside our neighborhood probably showing off my toys 
only to realize I had more than the other children across the street, down the block, around the block, almost in the whole neighborhood. I got looks of envy I wasn't prepared for, and it made me kind of sad at times because all I wanted to do was play. I regularly scheduled summer vacations with many, which many other families in the neighborhood also planned, but in addition to our vacations, we had getaways, which included several weekend trips out of town to visit friends just because we could. And well, and, and excuse me, and as well, social and professional mini vacations. My parents were members of several prestigious national black groups and organizations and were high on the local social register. Again, I thought that was something everybody did. I had birthday parties not only at home, but at black-owned private clubs, some white-owned private clubs. Even once having one of them at the airport, Norfolk Airport, and during those times, it was definitely a part of black privilege, if you had the money. And sometimes the Jim Crow law enforcers turn their heads, but not often. At times, I still thought in most neighborhood, most of our neighborhood live like I did until I was invited to some of my other friends' birthday parties and none of my neighborhood friends would ever be there. I realized those particular friends were also privileged. Sometimes I felt like I played in two different worlds and I was comfortable in the presence of all of my friends. And if there were any social class issues, it usually came from some of the parents. Wondering, well, I'll just leave it there. It came from some of the parents. <laughs> I was sometimes asked by several other privileged kids why I associated with the children in my neighborhood and not them as much. My, ample, my answer was always simple. They are my friends. Then I would move on without further discussion. Other problems of privilege usually came in school settings when the difference in the way my mother dressed me, even the book bag I carried containing my books were of a certain quality and the students who, did, who didn't have noticed. It will be several weeks before I repeated clothes I wore when some of the other students might have had to wear the same clothes three or four days in a row. Some in the school, but not many, had the same privileges I had. But I still hung with the ones who at times gave me grief, often in a joking way, but sometimes it was personal. But like I said earlier, I felt more comfortable. Once most got to know me, it wasn't such a problem. There were some who couldn't get past what they thought I represented. And while sitting behind me in class one day, 
fella girl classmate hit me on the top of my head with a book as hard as she could and it hurt like hell but I acted like it didn't I didn't feel it I guess that was my privilege against pain I saw that formal elementary school classmate a few years ago and she did not remember that incident which is understandable it was a long time ago but I should be the one who should who didn't remember that incident and as hard as she landed that book on my head I couldn't concentrate the rest of that school day actually I thought I saw birds my life as a black privileged child was limited because as my parents and I traveled outside the neighborhood and the city, our privilege, privilege didn't matter in some places. Well, I can say most places during those times. We weren't just black. We were just black, not having the same options as white people in certain areas. I watched on long road trips in our car as we passed hotels, posting signs reading, whites only, and we had to travel several miles, tired and weary, to similar hotels with signs reading colored, where we could be accepted. Even restaurants, theaters, schools, and many other public places, and I say public places, weren't open to blacks, privileged or not. What a rude awakening for this young so-called privileged child. But the world kept turning in our neighborhood and life went on as usual. I must note that my father was fighting those injustices with a law book and not a teaching degree this time. And along with fellow civil rights activists were slowly making a difference. The older I got, the more I noticed my advantage in some areas which I didn't welcome sometimes. I just wanted to fit in. I was never up ungrateful, but there were times I was introduced as Lawyer Overton's son, and in my mind, robbing me of my own identity. I just wanted to be liked or even disliked for who I was. So I made it a point to share my toys or whatever I had with my friends, often to a fault. Then I really didn't know who truly liked me. Eventually, eventually friendships were developed with those who wanted nothing but to but true friendship and those people are still a part of my life to this day. I wasn't the only privileged child in my neighborhood or in the city and there were definitely those who were much more privileged than I. But there was never any doubt in my mind that I was loved by my parents unconditionally and they wanted the best for me by giving me an early appreciation of the good things in life. This combined with the short memories of my birth life and the life I could have had, could have lived with them growing up in foster homes, 
even in the midst of a racist era, I know God had a plan for each and every one of us that shapes us who we are today. Even when I was a reluctant, PC, privileged child. Thank you for listening and letting me share that little part of my life. As you know, coming soon, much more information on my life from the time I just talked about up into my adulthood will be put in the form of a book. Hopefully a very interesting book because I've had some, just like you and everybody else, I've had some ups, downs, curves, and battles, but I'm still here. And I think it's always therapeutic when you can share your life with others, helping yourself and maybe helping some others. So until next time, thank you for listening to the Slim Nation podcast. And may God bless you.